Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Cornelius Jamison. He is currently a principal data engineer at Coyote Logistics and works as a consultant for the Washington Post. We talk about the importance of networking, what he is looking for during technical interviews, and advice for engineers who are looking for their next job. Hello, Cornelius. Thanks so much for, for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I mentioned before, the, before we started talking, we've known each other for a couple of years, so it's nice to finally actually uh, talk um, a little more in depth. Uh, my guest today is Cornelius Jemison, currently a principal data engineer at Coyote Logistics. You also consult for the Washington Post. Previously, you worked at uh, Nielsen and Active Campaign and principal and, and staff level engineering roles. So lots of big names on the resume. It seems like um, impressive, probably data focused work and, and uh, a lot of really complex stuff you've, you've done over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's been an exciting journey. I've been in tech industry here in Chicago for over 10 years, working with startups really for the last eight or nine years, been 10. Time has gone by so fast. But yeah, it's been a really fun time. Yeah. Great. Can you share a little bit more about your team, kind of what, what you focus on at either of your roles here? Sure. Um, at Coyote Logistics, I'm um, the principal data engineer for our business intelligence and data science group. I was brought in through a, fr a friend that I worked at previously at Nielsen, and uh, I love working for him. He's a really good, um, smart engineer and manager, and um, got the opportunity to come and interview with them to lead them into their 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 next uh, phase of digital transformation. Um, right now, I oversee um, or lead or manage um, two engineers, and then uh, our team is really helping them focus on getting to the cloud. So deploying either to Databricks on Azure, or deploying to um, uh, Kubernetes, AKS, and other um, Lambda functions as a service um, um, platform to be able to support a lot of the data science modeling and um, projections for our business, uh, Coyote Logistics is owned by uh, UPS, it's a subsidiary. And so we um, deal really more on their freight side and we handle a lot of their business operations on that, you know, from that, from that side. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize how much data work is involved within the logistics space, right? When I, when I was in recruiting, a lot of my work focused on um, logistics text companies. And it seems like over the last five years, maybe even 10 years, there's been a huge push towards, we have to actually understand the data that we have and, and utilize that, right? Because there's so much out there, I mean, so much that they can do with it, right? If you can predict the truck's going to be late before the driver might even know that, right? That's hugely beneficial. This is where our, our team's really going to using um, correlation data like weather, um, traffic and, um, um, notifications, dealing with VRP algorithms and understanding how to, to really project those things in, in addition to those two other components to, to provide the best service. There's a huge opportunity here for logistics. It's one of those things where um, you, you see Uber and others get involved with it here in Chicago. And the opportunity is for you know, the person that knows how to make sense of the data and provides mm -hmm. it in a meaningful way to the users. And it's really a strange industry in the, in the sense that it's so customer-focused driven. A lot of the, um, the your, your customers don't have any background using um, computers or mobile yeah. devices. And so a lot of it's done by phone phone. They tell you yeah. where they're at, they tell you where they might be, you kind of project from there with how long it's going to take them. You're doing routing based off of information that's over the phone. And these guys 
only operate like that. It's very far in between, you know, somebody who might have a smartphone that they want to integrate with. And so it's a huge, huge opportunity for, for growth. Yeah, at risk of getting into the weeds, I used to do a lot of work with Project 44 and a lot of their their focus in Chicago was just moving people from EDI technology, right, um, to API technology, which seems like like that should have already been done, right? But but it's just one of those areas where, especially in logistics, if if it's not broke, no one's going to fix it, right? Right. And it's one of those things where change has to be slow and it has to be meaningful. And you're not again, you're not going to see that ROI right away when you're going to see all this fantastic new thing and is providing, you know, tons of our resources and the anthem lives of a lot of these drivers out there. And then on the tail end of it, you got Tesla too that are coming in uh, with these automated trucks that are coming through. So it's a huge market and huge opportunity for us to start and see how technology has a going influence. Yeah, I, I I love the logistics space. I think it's it's one of Chicago's strong suits, especially the logistics tech and it it has a again, a very Chicago focused thing of, of kind of an unsexy area, right, that that people can tackle. Um, so it's it's something that I think I'm endlessly fascinated by. Uh, and and you, you mentioned um, you ended up in this role based on um, a connection with the manager in the past, right? So I think that's something I've seen as a common theme, especially in a lot of the engineering leaders that come on the show is using those connections and, and less of I guess when I say that, it feels a little weird, right? Using those connections, but it's more so someone you genuinely enjoyed working with, right? Either reached out to you or you reached out to them. And then that led to a new role, right? Which is something I've seen over and over again of how important it is to have that network because that's where a lot of your jobs are going to come from in, in the future. Yeah. Um, my, my boss, we have to be friends. I work with him at Nielsen. We built out a data platform for Walmart, Target, Lowe's, and people, you know, big, biggest box chain stores where it's, we're doing um, data um, ingestion for those anywhere from 50 to 100 petabytes of data every week from everyone else. It was all points of sale type data. And I loved working with him. He gave me the reins to run my team and run his teams the way I, I wanted to. It was offshore and onshore operations. And so it was really nice to be able to um, talk with him. We ended up spending lots and lots of time together beyond just the tech. And so the relationships that you build is really beyond just your normal coding and, you know, infrastructures and code operations and, you know, just daily task assignments. It's really about building those relationships with you and the business. And for me, it was just, he said, I'm going through this opportunity. Would you like to come? I was like, sure. And so within a month, I had an offer. It was really nice. Nice. That's awesome. Can, can you, I guess, if you've done um, technical interviews on either side of the table, can you share a little bit more about that? I have interviewed engineers and I have been interviewed. I've been on both sides of the table where um, I've gone and taken interviews, interviews I thought I had and I did really well at. I thought, like, man, there's no way that I didn't get that. But and then I'd come back and I find I didn't get it. And then I've been in interviews and I thought, like, I did really horrible and they love me. It, it, it goes both ways, you know. Yeah. Interview is kind of a, like a, a nuance. Every organization does it its own way. Some of it's coding, some of it's more conversational. It really depends. At my level, it's more conversational about more about leadership and how do I mm -hmm. interact with business. But uh, and then and then less so much about the technical part. But I, I get in, involved with that. Sometimes I have to write code. Most most times I don't. I, I mean, I mean, there's a couple of um, ones where I wrote some really really um, complicated code that I thought like, man, there's no way this is an interview question because it took me a, a couple of days to write. And then 
other ones I'm just like, oh, this should not have been an interview question. So I've been on both sides. Yeah, those those leak code hard questions, right? <laughs> Where you go, yeah, why does yeah, anyone need to know this? Why is the word like I um uh the one I can think of is you know that parking service called Spot On or Spot not Spotify, but it's here in Chicago. Parking well, spot. Yeah, parking spots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I got this question. I was just like, this is insane. I can't, there's no way that I can be answering this one day. I was like, well, I need a couple more days. But it was really hard. It was like managing spots of parking cars and there was some time gap things and it had to make sense from um, uh, 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 UTC time versus PST versus CDT. Mm. And it was just like, oh my goodness, this is so complicated. And some of them are horrible, some are good. I think the interview um, thing goes crazy. You can have engineers that are like, hey, are you trying to one up me or are you just trying to are you trying to gauge what I want? actually understanding that it's always weird yeah i think sometimes it's a disconnect too from whoever designs the interview process to who's actually um doing the interviews right if if your vp of engineering cto or even a manager right designs this interview process they think great this is measured and has the right approach and then they send a senior lead engineer to go do it and that person doesn't necessarily have all the context maybe the nuance of what what was being looked for with those questions they just Kind of pile things on right i think the larger the company gets to the more difficult it is to, to keep reins in that because you have i don't know 10 15 20 interviewers all of a sudden and it's hard to actually spot check that right um so i i'm curious what are you looking for or what are you typically evaluating for when you're interviewing for your team i you know i look for personality and then i look for not necessarily skill set because it depends on the role let me let me put it that way like, I'm looking interviewing an SC1 or an SC2, I just want to know that they know the basic biz bugs. Can they, can they write logic? Can they, can they understand, you know, how a program flow goes? I'm looking for how they deal with tough questions and how they answer questions. Um, I'm looking for when they're whiteboarding, I'm like, hey, are they going to ask me any questions about the question and really define the problem statement and really go back and um, add to the, the interview process. I want to interact with you. I want to know who you are as a person as you're solving this problem. And then two, if you can't solve it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dinging you if you can't solve it because everybody doesn't perform on, on cue right away, you know, really hard, but I'm looking for you to have some basic fundamentals. Um, mm -hmm. I have a bachelor's and master's degree in computer science. So I'm, I'm thinking in terms of the basic questions out of there, like, like, what is the list? What is delegate? What, um, how do you, how do sets work? How do maps work? Um, and then trying to go from there to be able to define, you know, what does the person know? And then two, like how eager do you want to learn? Like I remember interviewing someone again about Milson. This kid, he had no background, no knowledge, but he was eager. And I was like, I want this kid. I want him on my team. And I remember thinking like he, he had the, capability of learning even though he didn't know all the answers to the questions mm. and i've been like yeah let's come in and then i've introduced senior engineers that have gotten all the answers correct and their attitude was really poor you know very prideful um and then too like how willing are they uh to get involved and teach others and mentor others mm. i'm not expecting my expectation is not that engineers become trainers because i think that's a separate role but my understanding is that hey if someone has a problem, are you willing to stay late to help them resolve it? Are you willing to sit with them for a day or two to help them get through those issues? Those things are the most important things to me. Yeah, yeah, that's something I... 
it's so difficult to, to try to keep in mind that yes, obviously having a solution to this question is great, right? But there's so much more that goes into an interview, right? And so much more that, that someone's looking for when you're actually being interviewed, right? Because again, you're looking for someone who you're actually going to work with, right? Not just someone who you're going to hand a question to and expect them to spit out an answer and you go, great, now I can continue with my work, right? You're looking for a teammate. Um, and, and I think that's insightful too, is, is how you may interview as a manager, right? You're actually looking for people who are probably going to work well together that you get along with, but also hopefully we'll get along with others on the team. Right, right, right. Team camaraderie is really there. You know, one person reminded me of this, um, probably like almost 12 years ago, and I've always thought about it. It's not, it's not about the technology, it's about the relationship you share with people while solving mm. these technical problems. And, you know, you can create a really cool environment where, you know, everyone's getting along and, you know, might not have the growth technical proficiency, but everybody can learn that. Anybody can learn how to do what I do, you know. Yep. Um, you know, given enough time and, and love, um, um, you know, you know, tenacity to really go after it. It's the relationship part that's going to really be the, the, the determining factor of success in a lot of, a lot of ways. Yeah, I think Tyler Jefford, who's an engineering manager over at Venmo now, he's at Innova for a long time, um, told me one time, he goes, at the end of the day, it's all it's all people problems, right? Like software, you could teach someone, you could teach them how to code, but it's people at the end of the day, especially as you scale, because you're just, you're just trying to hire more people, right? It's not necessarily you're trying to hire for expertise, you need to hire people, right? And that, that I think sometimes gets, it's difficult to keep in mind when you're interviewing. Yeah, I mean, even as a team, I even get along sometimes too, like in my I had to come back and apologize a couple of weeks ago about something that went wrong. I thought it was completely right in the situation, but I left the other person feeling uncomfortable about it. And it's a learning experience. And being able to have the ability to say, I'm sorry, and you know, go back and make things right is really huge. There are no enduring relationships without any apologies. And there are no enduring relationships where people are not willing to give and, and take to, to, be, to make things work. So. It's yeah. really important that relationship aspect of being an engineer because you're going to spend hours with folks. I mean, I can't believe how many times I spent a 12 hour a day working on a problem with someone. And, and it's really crucial, you know, that you maintain a level of professionalism, you have a level of empathy about the person that's solving it, and that you keep on trying to challenge each other to really find the right correction, uh, right correct solution to solve the problem. Yeah, empathy, I think, is is the key word there, right? It's such a, I don't know, I came from what I feel like was a very low empathy um, industry is recruiting, right? And engineering, maybe it's got a little bit more, but still there, I think it is a fairly low empathy industry and it's something that um, is so difficult to find. And I think hard to screen for, right? If you're um, interviewing, um, it just trying to figure out, does this person have empathy? And and um, I guess vice versa, if you're on the other side of the table, is this going to be someone who I think is going to have empathy for me when I'm um, in this role? So right. I, I'm curious if you have a standardized system um, of doing technicals. Obviously, you mentioned it kind of changes role to role, right, depending on what you're looking for. Um, do you have a standardized interview process? Um, usually, I'll get in and ask questions about their resume, ask them about the background, ask them what kind of current projects they're currently going into. Um, ask them if they have any questions, do they need water, do they need a bathroom break? You know, the, the level of interviews lately have been through on Zoom or Google Hangouts lately because of just COVID and everything. But in terms of that, it's just then going into the programming questions. Um, Giving, you know, usually I give everybody a fish buzz. Usually a fish buzz knocks people out really quickly. Just like, okay, right, you can go, right, let's time to perform. Can you, can you do this? 
we'll, we'll all ratchet up the um the level of the complexity there. Like how do I add as opposed to an API? You know, oh, interesting. normal rest API. Um and then you know, given a, a value, a random value there, how can I put that out? Then we start talking about rest and what is it, what is the HTTP protocol? What is what 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 are some of the um the verbs they use with for for action? What are you know? Give me some idea about JSON. You know, give me some ideas about data encapsulation beyond JSON. Mm -hmm. um, just small questions about that. Then we start. You know, I'll ask questions about databases. I'll ask questions about uh, message queues. I'll add, um, ask questions about distributed computing. I'll ask all kinds of questions in that that regard. To, See where they gauge that. Some, some, you know, if it's a junior engineer, then I can almost do topics. But if it's a, um, a senior engineer, we'll get into a 12 factor apps. What, what does it mean to keep an application up and running? Um, tell me your background with monitoring and system telemetry. Um, mm -hmm. What tools have you used to use with those things? What, what, um, what ways have you used Kubernetes? Have you used um, um, in data warehouses like Redshift or or you know Oracle, or you know even Microsoft um, products. Now, tell me some of your backgrounds with some of those things. So it, it depends on where the person goes. I just want them always give them an opportunity to showcase what they know, and then just try to figure out what they don't know. And then at the end of the day, it's like okay, I have a set of problems that I need to solve for a team or for a math or a manager. Um, if they're not on my team. And do they have the skill sets to meet the, the, that role? And it's really just going back to other managers and team, like, okay, what am I looking for? What, are, what kind of problems are you guys solving at this time? What, what kind of things are you guys working on? And what kind of skill sets do you need for that team member? Is this an opportunity to grow someone who, um, um, who doesn't have any background um, in tech? And this is a growth for the company when you grow our company and skill sets? Or is this where we need somebody to be an SME and really get in good? With the brown, you know, and we need to be official within the first week or two to start contributing. It really depends. It depends on what what's new for the role, and then the questions get asked. Yeah, yeah. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like basically you're trying to get a kind of a broad sense of of where their knowledge lies, and then probing more specifically into certain areas. If you feel like they have some expertise there, then let's dive deeper, right, and see how much, right? If it's kind of a shallower area for them, and maybe you don't need to focus on that area as much, correct? Yeah, you know, like if we're focusing on, let's say, Kafka and distributed messaging, like I'm not going to go hardcore into the database. Somebody asked some questions just because of the tooling and how do you connect to like, like a CDC, uh, change data capture to be able to capture that into a message queue or a message channel. And then I might leave databases alone. But if we're dealing with, you know, a two tier app where we have a web application and it needs to communicate the database, like, how is that? How are you going to be writing code for that? Whether it be Python, Java, you know, Scala, Kotlin, whatever the language is, go help me understand how this works. Um, and how do you, how, how would you scale this application? Um, it really depends. It all depends on what's being asked. What's the level of expertise? We could be talking to somebody who's doing data scientists or data engineering. Are you, how do you build a data lake? What's the first step in building data lake? What, what does your canonical model look like? What do you, what are you doing to keep your data together? How are you exposing it to tools like Snowflake and Synapse and other tools like Athena? Like, it really depends on what's being asked. It, yeah. it, it, it's really just situational based points. 
Yeah, I, I like that style of interviewing a lot. I used to um, prep uh, candidates when I was in recruiting around if I knew someone interviewed like that, like they're not trying to ask you gotcha questions, right? They're just trying to push you to the edge of your knowledge. Um, then I think some people get freaked out when they go, oh, I said, I don't know, right? Or like, I I, I wasn't sure when when um, they asked a couple questions, like that's the goal, right? They just want to see how far um, kind of down that path you are and then they'll move on to something else. And I, I like that style of interviewing. I think some people, um, it worries them if they don't have a, a perfect answer for every question, right? But I think that's more interview nerves necessarily than um, than than anything else. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, I'm, I don't have time for gotcha questions. I'm not, you know, my, my job is not to um, to insult you or demean you because you don't know the answers to the question. My thing is, like, well, if you don't know, well, like, maybe you might ask more intriguing questions. Well, what do you mean by that? Can you clarify? Yeah. And then you go into a little bit of debt. You might not have the, ver- the right terminology or the right verbiage to describe it, but you might know overall what it might be doing. And I don't even, I can't tell you how many times I've been in interviews where I've not known the verbiage, but I can describe what it's doing. And it got me the job because I knew enough to describe what it was doing, even though I didn't know all the terminology. Yeah. I guess that, that brings me to my next question. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but how do you think you, you do a technical interviews? It kind of depends, right? It depends on the, the type of interview, but how do you think you've done in the past? Um, I think I've been fair. I think I've gotten them wrong too. Um, where I thought someone wasn't going to contribute. Um, I think I've been overall probably like 90% right, 80 to 90% right about my evaluation of someone. Um, I think the biggest hurdle for me is like whether someone's not really being honest about their background, mm. but they've studied up enough to be able to do the work. I know I've gotten those wrong where someone got placed and I'm just like, I hear from another team, like, well, no, they didn't know anything. It's like, well, well, hold on, you don't need anything on the past interview. And I've been in plenty of interviews where I've seen managers do that too. They thought the person was a perfect fit, yeah. got them into the situation and context, and they just really, you know, drowned on what they're doing. So my job is just to really understand who you are as an individual, what you bring to the table, and then try to see if you're a good fit or not. Yeah. And so, I- there's times where I've gotten it wrong. And on the other side of the table, how do you feel when, you, when you've been um, an interviewee? I've hated it. I don't think anybody likes the pressure of always oh, someone asking. You never know. Like, usually within the first set of questions, you know how it's going to do. Like, when I interviewed for my last job about five months ago, um, I got in and I was really nervous because uh, I was dealing with data already at my previous role, but I wasn't dealing with necessarily data lakes. I hadn't touched that stuff for about a, a year or two, but much of it, mm-hmm. most of it hadn't changed. But when I got into it and I got comfortable and started remembering a lot of the terminology and I remember a lot of the processes that I was following when I was at Wilson doing data lake technologies at Azure, it just came back to me. So I don't I don't think anybody wants me in the hot in the hot seat, you know. Um, you know, basically you come in there and sometimes you might have more more experience than the other person. And sometimes you might the other person might have more experience and you have no clue, mm. you know. And so it, it's always a funny thing. You're like, you want to make you able to honestly say, hey, I don't know what that means, but if I can tell you what I think it means, you can clarify. Um, and just being you know, open and honest, I think means that always been a good question for me. But there's times where I've taken interviews and I've not done them. Like, Lord knows I've, I've done those for roles so I really, really wanted. But there's roles that I did get that, you know, being persistent about learning more and growing. And, um, and if you don't get the role, always go back and ask, like, mm. hey, what can I do better to prepare for? What can I do to study more to be able to be at this level? I, 
I know I have the capability of going to work, but it sounds like there was some jack in my mouth. So could you help me a little bit? Some companies respond, some don't. Most don't, you know. But it's the honesty to say, hey, um, I like to keep you as a, a known contact. Added them on LinkedIn. Going back and say, hey, can we meet up at some, you know, Chippy or some other um, startup um, 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 meetup where we can talk a little bit more so I can have a better understanding about where my knowledge gap is and where I need to grow. And I think people really appreciate that. And they remember you. Like, I've had so many people come back and say, hey, remember we met at XYZ and we should be interested in coming to interview you. And it happens more often than you think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've already done the hard part, right? You got to know someone through the interview process. You already interviewed with them once. And maybe you were, you know, if you're off by 10%, even if you're off by 50%, right? That's something, if you work on that stuff, they remember at least you asked, right? You, you wanted to get better. And that's a lot of what people are looking for, too. Yeah, for me, it's always about the learning experience. I'm always willing to pick a book, I'm gonna, uh, you know, being really educated, you know, it's always trying to learn from the experience and what can I do better and how can I be a better person. I think that's, that's you should, should try to do that in every other way. Yeah, I used to, um, I worked at Actualize, which is a coding bootcamp as the director of outcomes for a number of years and helping students get their first job. And I think a lot of people are very frustrated going into interviews where they felt they weren't weren't prepared or they weren't ready. And they, they probably weren't to some extent, but also interviewing is different at every company. And I always told them, like, the only way this is a failure is if you come out of it and you haven't learned anything, right? If you've learned something from this interview, at least you're, you're taking that into your next interview, you're probably not going to get your first job, right? The, the, the first company interview is very unlikely you get that job but three or four or five in um much more likely that you've learned something from the interview process you've learned how to present yourself um kind of in a way that they may be looking for and how to answer those questions that a lot of times are fairly repetitive right that's something that i realized in my initial engineering job search was if i actually solved the problems um afterwards right regardless if i was able to solve them or not very high likelihood I was going to see that problem again um, from a company because if you're interviewing for similar types of roles, a lot of companies aren't doing something drastically different, right? It's just slightly modified versions of the same types of questions. Right. I mean, it's very rare you're going to meet your Googles or Facebooks and Apples in your first interview. Yeah. Um, but it is very similar in the sense that people are going to ask you to probably code, they're probably going to ask you personality questions, they're going to ask you, you know, to expose some of yourself of, you know, some of your flaws. But there's, you know, there's lies opportunity to learn what pattern works for you and what company works for you and what kind of um, metrics that they that they're working with that you can really gain from your career and grow and grow from the experience. From. So it's always always interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you I was going to say always keep doing it. Don't don't just say, well, I didn't get that job. I should just give up and quit. You should just always keep doing it because again, like you said, this experience is not the same. And every time, you know, if you keep on being persistent, someone's going to take an opportunity on you. Yeah, that was another big thing we stressed at Actualize was, I mean, you're one day closer to getting your first job every time, right? And and I think the nice part is in engineering, um, it's, it's not true for necessarily every single person, but the vast majority of people, once you have about six months to a year of experience, it is much easier to get uh, the next job and the job after that, right? So um, it's something that the first one's usually the hardest. Right? Uh, do you have any type of system um, that you use to break down technical interview questions? Say, you, you know, you get asked something, you go, I have no idea how to how to solve this, right? Or is this something that is more complex than maybe FizzBuzz where you go, okay, I know exactly how to solve this kind of just be after just being asked? Um, the coffee example, um, you know, coffee, it's very common in JVM languages. 
Well, people will say, hey, you're a vending machine and you want to dispense, you know, coffee out. You want to be able to add cream for 25 cents, a coffee, certain types of coffee for whatever given amount of currency, and then um, add those up to some of those values and then give a, spit out coffee with the, with the bill. That's pretty pretty frequent pattern that I see within the industry um, for interview questions. Um, I see a lot of, um, where, where, my last one was when I had the, I was interviewing for Bank of America, and this was years ago. And this was one of the more complicated ones. I had to make an elevator that can traverse elevator floors. And when I did it, it was based off of the elevator can be on any floor, and you had to be able to keep track of what floor you want to do the go up and down. And I remember it being really elaborate and me. And I remember talking to the engineering manager, only two people out of the 20 people solved it. I was in Python, and I was thinking, like, yeah, this is crazy because the way the algorithm was working. Um, Spot Hero was the other company I was talking about earlier. Yeah, they, theirs was pretty hard. It was more like a time series question of the data. So they can be vast in life, but the coffee one is the one I usually see quite a bit, like a similar deviation on what that would look like. Yeah. Do you have any type of um, approach you use if you, you hit a technical question that seems very complicated, or do you have steps that you take? Oh, yeah. Um, there's sometimes I go Google it. Like, I like, you know, I like those things where you can go and say, hey, hey, take your exam, go home, take a couple of days, think about it, come back with a real solution, make sure you have a test with it. Um, mm-hmm. I did one with, uh, um, I don't remember the name of the company, but I remember I did, um, it was a logistics company, and uh, I didn't get it, but I remember looking up a bunch of algorithms for loading um, freight into a truck. And so I had looked up, it was, it was in Ruby, was the language. I was trying to load the truck up the most efficient way to be able to do it. And I wrote a bunch of code that would take random package sizes based off of the a, a dimension within a, a truck, loading it the most efficient way in there. And uh, I had to look at those algorithms because I never worked with them. I never worked in logistics. Yeah. So Google's your friend. Um, and then usually there's algorithms out there. You can get, you know, some PhD students, someone or somewhere will explain it. You don't have to learn about the math terminologies to do it in algebraic um, terms. But you can usually, you know, model your way through to figure out how to do it. And there's times, again, I didn't even get that job. And I had to look that up. But I learned something more about um, package loading to a truck, which is something like Amazon or you know, maybe UPS or FedEx is really interesting. In, so. Yeah, interesting. Cool. A- any advice or tips for engineers that are going into technical interviews? Maybe they, they hate technical interviews, right? Uh, or, or um, you know, they've just got a number of them coming up and, and you know, they need some words of encouragement. Oh, man. Um, sleep the night before. Don't stress out. Yeah. You know, I think you said it earlier, some, sometimes you're ready, sometimes you're not. I mean, there's times where I went in not completely ready, and I did okay, but not completely ready. Um, there's times where, you know, you can blather all the things that you know, and then you overwhelm the interviewer mm. um, with your knowledge, and they don't really get engaged what in you, what you know, because you're spitting out a bunch of things. Um, one of the things I always say is, like, don't lie on your resume. Don't lie about your experience. Um, you know what you know, and you know if you're in the interview room, they want you because that's the first step for them to decide if they really want you. 
Mm-hmm. So don't lie about who you are. You know, just you know, talk about what you know. Don't know. Um, prepare by dual coding. Uh, interviews leak code. Um, I even still do that. I I had to do that every couple of months. I just bought a book a couple of days at least ago where I'm going through these program exercises. I'm just doing it in Python, even though my role was probably 20 to 40% coding and the rest of more leadership and leading projects. But I'm still coding because I have to be able to do it within Java, Python, the normal languages go. I mean, just just keep coding, keep doing the, the programming things. Um, um, and the programming courses online, like Blue Code and others, they give you an opportunity to just keep your mind refreshed on what mm. you know what that means to be able to use things. Um, and sometimes I walk to an interview I've not been able to ask the code at all. They want to know about a particular technology they can't really demonstrate. So just know you know the basics, understand what a database is, have some familiarity with Linux is. Linux is usually the common operating system that runs the world. Um, basic languages like PHP, you'd be amazed. PHP does quite a bit. And you can do a lot with it. And most of your websites on the web are running for it. It's, it's yeah. not the best language, but Python is usually a staple to have a good understanding of how it works, how to do classes, how to use that. Have some knowledge about functional programming to be able to do that if you're dealing with um, script-based languages like PHP or Python. Um, other than that, just just keep persistently going to the interview. Don't, don't give up. That's my best advice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's the perseverance is sometimes the hardest part. <laughs> sometimes harder than the interview. It's just, you know, having so many emotions wrapped up in in interview processes and hearing no when you want to hear yes so badly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally been there. Been told no so many times throughout my career. But if the the person's going to get the job is the one who who's going to do what it takes is going to get it. And yeah. sometimes on that day, you have a really good bad day and do really well. You have a really good day and do well. I've, I've had those too. Um, it really all depends on what, 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 what they're trying to go after. Yeah. Do you have any different advice or additional advice for early career engineers? Oh, man. Um, keep coding. Um, get fundamental. Find somebody who's already in the industry where it knows it. Go to meetups. Chippy's a great meetup from Python. Um, I have a bunch of friends that go to that one. Um, find meetups that for things that you're interested in, you know. Um, I would say also just keep buying books. Like O'Reilly's books um, are really, really good. There's a, um, the Pack books, P-A-C-K-T, those books are really good. Um, and then just keep networking. Once keep networking, go to any career sessions that you can go to, even if they don't have big tech companies there. Let me say this too, because I think this is really important. Just because you don't end up at Google or Facebook or Apple or Amazon on your first bout. And I have friends that, you know, are amazing, amazing engineers, but take those interviews. And, you know, and it's really important that you know that there are other opportunities where people are innovating. They may not be innovating like at Google or Facebook, but there's other opportunities there for you to be able to do those things. And, you know, and if you don't get on with stuff, it's, it's really important that you, you, you find some place to, to, to be, some place that's meaningful, some place that's going to show your talents, and a place that's going to let you grow. But I would say just keep networking, reading books, blogs, um, meetups, go talk to folks. I know the world's starting to come back alive again since COVID, but I mean, there's still meetups on, on Zoom and Hangouts that you go meet up and then go to, go to conferences as much as you can. I know mm. they get expensive, but 
I mean, that's a, just a good way to keep one networking and, and to get your name out there. Do presentations, do conferences, talk about tech that you know. People are going to either A, correct you, or they're going to be like cheering you on to see you um, talk about the things that you're passionate about. So, and eventually a job going to come. Someone's going to come. I know I go to those conferences all the time. Someone's always asking, hey, are you looking? Like, no, I'm not looking, but, you know, I know someone who is. But, yeah. and that's where the opportunity for networking always is. Yeah, absolutely. That when when I was at actually I, I saw the the people who had a a brother, or an uncle, a family member, someone who was already in technology who could basically kind of help them bridge that gap from from you know hasn't had a technical job to getting their first technical job. I'm where the people that often found the job first, regardless of of their actual skill level, and I really focus on helping students who didn't have that type of network or already building some type of network. So you can have that uncle or that person, you know, right. Who goes, Oh, you know, I, I'm not looking, but I do know someone who's, who's really talented and, and really wants to learn, right. Who might be a good fit for this. And, um, you have to put a lot out there to get that right. It can't be five people you talk to. You might have to talk to 500, right. But eventually it will come along. Yeah. Exactly uh, well, right. yeah. Before we move into the 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 interview portion and take a short break here, any interview horror stories you want to share, uh, you know, with the audience? Oh, I just had finished interviewing with um, uh, what's the name of the company? The, uh, the money company starts with um, Strike, and I just completely tanked it. The day before, I was doing support up until like nine or ten o'clock in the morning. Oof. And uh, I mean, I mean, like all night long, and I was just completely burnt. And what's interesting now is during COVID season, a lot of your interviews are not in person. You go and take them online, and you know, for roles that are remote, like I was looking for. I was like, well, let me go do this and see. You know, I don't want to cancel it. I've made a commitment. Let me go out and do it. Um, first part of the interview, I just completely burnt. It was just a complete nightmare. My mind wasn't thinking. And then towards the end of it, like I was completely gone. I was exhausted. So that's that's where I go again. I said, just sleep. You know, either A, you're gonna do well, or B, or not. And I really wanted the job. I didn't get it. And uh, but I learned something from them. Like I, I need to really spend more time thinking about algorithms. I need to spend more time thinking about things in other languages. And even for me, I'm still learning and growing about things that I know. You know. And so it was just like, okay. I'm not losing any sleep about it. I didn't get it, but it's an opportunity for me to grow in those areas. Yeah, Stripe's one of those that's that's on par with uh, the Google, Facebook, Amazons of the world. Their interview difficulty, and certainly depending on the role, but but certainly very algorithm heavy and <laughs> can have some right. of those complicated questions. Right, not easy on on no sleep. They asked me to write a JSON parser out of the blue. Like, why would I write a JSON parser? There's four or five <laughs> different. You know, varieties of JSON persons. I'll just go out and grab this one. Like, no, we want you to write one. It's like, well, no, it ain't happening today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> but yeah, I, I take that one. And I admit it. I was like, oh, it's an opportunity to learn. But I, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, and one of the things I, I think sometimes too is like, when someone's no, that's not a reflection of your character of who you mm -hmm. are. It's just like a, a, a reflection of um, your current place in life. And that's not mm -hmm. to say that you're always going to be there. And everyone grows. Everyone has opportunity now. And then maybe I might be able to get that job a year from now if I mm -hmm. spent more time focusing on the algorithms. I just didn't at the time. And so it, it became a learning experience. 
Yeah. And that's something that to keep in mind um, for a lot of people too, that there are certain types of companies that interview in certain ways where if you want those jobs, you're probably going to have to study in different ways than, than, um, than other, other companies or other interviews, uh, especially uh, a Stripe or any Fang type of company, Fang adjacent, right? Typically they are more algorithm focused, lead code, lead code type questions. And you really have to focus on that. And it's almost an entirely different skill than actual, the actual software development, right? And that's a lot of time to spend on that. I used to always say that Amazon, Facebook, Google's of the world don't necessarily want the best engineers, right? They want the best engineers who are going to spend the time to study for their interview process, right? Because that shows a level of commitment to go work for them, right? So it's, it's obviously why they, they pay a lot of money too, is they, <laughs> they'll run people through these processes. If you know algorithms really well, you usually do well on those interviews. I'm one of those people that I have to go back and study. I would have to mm. go back and look at it. I, I, I mean, I would love to work for them one day, you know, the Google, the Amazon, the things of the world. But I also realized, too, that there are opportunities at other companies. And, mm -hmm. like, you got to think also, too, like, how big is the pond you're going to swim in? Yeah. You know, is it going to be a big pond? Or is it going to be a small pond? Like, my current role, I have a big pond because there's opportunities yeah. for me to have influences on. If I was going to go to Google and Facebook, I have a small pond and I would be yeah. always going to find small sets of problems. And so for me, like, I, I love solving problems. I love working with people. I love interacting with people. I just don't want to be in a small pond. I want to be in a big pond. And you, you figure that out, how that works. And some organizations, you might think like are far too technical things. Like, I don't want to know how this works. Um, you know, and, you know, in an amount of time, well, in amount of time, like, can you solve for even smaller in amount of time? No, I cannot. It, you know, it is what it is. And so some problems you want to solve, some problems you don't. Some things are interesting, some things are not. Like, do you write an operating system in kernels? No, nah, not my thing. Do you build systems that interact and communicate? Yeah, I can do that, you know? It really depends on what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would almost argue there's, there's likely more opportunity to actually create and build and, and do interesting work at smaller companies than some of those larger companies, because often you don't have a lot of say and where you're slotted, especially if you're just coming in, right? You got to kind of got to be there several years before you can navigate and work yourself into a team where you're actually doing something interesting. Um, I have kind of this, this side role where I uh, work with a lot of people who are going into to fame companies and very regularly the debate is not, um, you know, should I take this fang company or this fang company um, and, and where their offers are at? It's should I take one of these fang offers that, you know, it's going to pay me much more or this actual interesting offer <laughs> that you know, maybe you paid a fraction of what I would get paid to go work for one of these companies, but I'm actually going to enjoy the work, right? Versus just being one more engineer on the Google Maps team, right? Which Maybe there's something interesting there, right? But you're going to push out three updates a year. <laughs> All right. I don't know. To me, like, in my current company, I have people falling everywhere. And I'm okay with that. And But the thing is, like, it's never the same. The yeah. problems are always changing. And I, I like that context. But, you know, if, if money is the thing that's driving you, um, go with the thing that's going to pay you more. You just yeah. got to realize that. Too. There's going to be some limited factors, too. But, like, there's... And so far, you can go on Google. There's so many, you know, um, SC5s and SC6s there. Yep. If you're going to hire into those roles. And, like, you've got to think, like, yeah, I'll be in this. and looks good on a resume, but what do I do after that? Because I've only done that one particular skill set and not done anything else with, within the computer science domain. Um, those all things are huge factors. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, well, let's take a break here. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll move into the technical portion. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. 
New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Dorset or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.